I was like, no, because that's the biggest decision you're ever going to make. That's terrifying. You don't want to undo that. You don't want to make the wrong decision. Mm. And he was like, no, this is so exciting. And so I think that's when I realized like even big milestones, I fear those because those are, those are concrete and I don't want to make the wrong decision where I'm stuck with having to clean up my own mess. I feel the power. You know what I feel? I feel the youthfulness in the studio today. The energy's in the room. Energy, that's what it is. That's it. And I don't think we're talking about sevens. So the energy has to come from somewhere else. Ooh, where do you think it's coming from, Israel? We are talking about the new generation of talk in the studio today. That's it. Gen Z in the house. Gen Z in the house. Man, I, you know, as a professor, I'm used to being around students uh, all the time. Gen Z, quite special here on campus. But to have this vibe in our studio today, it's a little different because I think I'm going to be a student. They are going to be the teachers. (laughs) They've got some of the teachers. We are here, Israel Balderas, with Mariah Kent and Madison Hedegaard, two beautiful young women, and we are going to be exploring their ego types with them Mm -hmm. and talking about where their Enneagram work has been done, how it started, etc. Where do we want to go? Where do we want to start, Israel? Well, first we should probably lay out sort of the what is Gen Z, right? Because you and I have been teaching both millennials... And now on campus, if anyone was born after 1995, they are now this this generation, right? Between 1995 and 2019, that's Generation Z, also known as Gen I, completely different than the millennials. Totally different. And and how people look at the millennials and how they look at Gen Zers uh, based on use of technology, communication, workforce. These are the challenges for us as professors to, to grapple with. But what I love about our guest today, and Maddie Faith is one of my students mm-hmm. in class, is just how active they are in their environments and how thoughtful they are yeah. in, in, in having questions of religion, politics, human interest, the, the, the whole spectrum. Exactly. Philosophy, spiritual, spirituality. And these two are very special to me as well. They were uh, two Q students for me. We went to Nashville together um, in the last year. And do you want to explain what Q students, what what that is? Sure. Well, in brief, Q Union here on campus is um, an extension of Q Ideas Conference that happens in in Nashville every year. I I think it's about like 12, 15 years it's been going on. where They're kind of like TED Talks, nine-minute talks about about things that matter in life and in culture. And both Maddie and Mariah gave speeches about things that mattered to them. They were chosen among all of the student body to give that speech. They did, and they went to Nashville with us. Uh, is that where you guys got to know each other really well? or I think we had a class with you, and mm-hmm. we really got to know each other through the class, and then it was really coming together with Q Union. That really solidified, wow, Mariah is really incredible, and mm. I want to get to know this girl. And what did you think about Q Union in Nashville, Maddie? What was your experience there with, I mean, uh, Mariah, with Maddie? 
I just thought that Q Union was a really special time because we got to be amongst people that were having conversations that actually mattered um, and being able to like take part in those conversations. So yeah, and being with Maddie and Dr. Bennett, it would be like we would go and be in these places with these people and then we'd be able to sit and have lunch with each other and talk and debrief too. So it was just a really special time. Yeah. 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 Well, it was a special time. It was a special time for me as well. So why don't we start with your Enneagram journey? Um, who would like to start? Maddie, would you like to tell us sure. like where you came across the Enneagram and, and where you are in that journey now? Do you know well, your number? I, I do, actually. <laughs> I'm very excited about this. So to start off your first question, um, you introduced me to the Enneagram. <laughs> I still have the little pamphlet that you gave me from class one time and you started talking about it. And I was like, wow, this makes so much sense and for me it was far more useful than the Myers-Briggs which I already liked very much and that was like a very common question that I would ask people is what is your Myers-Briggs type but after learning about the Enneagram that became my go-to how can I understand others and then in terms of my type I'm actually very excited because I would like to ask Professor Balderas so here it's you you it's okay you can call me Israel Okay. I know it's going to be kind of weird for you to go, hey, okay. Israel, what's up? Hey, Izzy, what's up? <laughs> uh, so, but that's okay. okay. Um, so to your question, uh, which one am I or which one do, you, do oh, I? Oh, I know you're a four and I know Dr. Bennett is a four. Yes. But my question is through your observation in class, if you had to make a guess. If I had to make a guess about you, I would mm-hmm. say you lean towards a five. I lean towards a five. Mm-hmm. Towards a five. Uh, and the reason I usually, when I talk about Enneagrams, I look at the healthiness of the individual. Mm-hmm. And when I look at you, Maddie Faith, and because uh, everybody calls you Maddie, mm-hmm. but I, in class, call you Maddie Faith. I because Faith, Faith is your middle name. Yes. But that's what's so beautiful about your name is that you just, you have so much energy. And when you are in <laughs> class, because we're talking, the class that we're talking about, by the way, is called Civil Discourse and Civil Disobedience. So it's a very deep class where we look at Aristotle, we look at moral psychology, we look at anthropology. And one of the challenges for your generation is going to be how do we discuss ideas in a way that is civil and it's not, you know, with a lot of anger and with a lot of frustration and with a lot of pointing fingers, which we're seeing in most campuses across the country, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Your generation doesn't quite know how to communicate, and Professor Bennett has been studying this idea because they've grown up with the use of cell phones, technology. So it's a lot of text, it's a lot of posts, it's 140 characters for ideas, whereas Maddie, you are a very deep thinker. Mm, And what I appreciate about you in class is that you, you love to wrestle with ideas because I don't know where you're coming from in the political spectrum, in the religious spectrum, mm-hmm. I don't because I've seen you go both sides and argue both sides. And so f- that's why when I say Maddie Faith, what I love is that you have a strong faith in yourself, mm-hmm. um, which then I say, you know, a healthy five comes from that end. Um, and you're not competitive. I don't see you as a three that you're competing against others. Mm-hmm. You definitely have a lot of energy. Uh, so at first I thought maybe it was a seven, um, but, uh, and, and you're not an eight, you're not no. willing to push people over. Uh, I'm married to a one, so I could see that you could also be a one. So between a five and a one, am I right or am I wrong? 
You're really close. Add them together, I'm a six. Wow. <laughs> I have very strong five wing and I have a very strong seven wing, but I'm, I'm a six at my core. Wow. How did you know that, Maddie? Well, you introduced me to that because for the longest time, I thought I was a three because I'm very driven. I'm very goal oriented. I really want to prove myself. But um, Dr. Bennett made a really good point when she was talking to me, you know, Maddie, you don't you don't want to push people over. It's not the goal that's most important to you. It's the people in your life. And I really realized a lot of my insecurity and a lot of my fear comes from a sense of not feeling safe or not feeling like I belong or that other people are going to take care of me. And so for me, I realized I was a six. And when a six is unhealthy, it acts like a three. And that's really what mm. opened my eyes. And Mariah can testify to this because I met Mariah when I was at a point in my life when I was acting very three-ish and I was unhealthy. And I've had people come and talk to me this semester and realize I'm a lot healthier than I was mm. before. I'm obviously not perfect, but I'm learning, okay, here's what I look like in health and here's how I can stay in health. Mm. So you are identifying maybe that side of your personality that is the lower side of three, which is the drivenness to mm -hmm. achieve at all costs, win, and stress and kind of uh, um, uh, just to hide the feelings or shut down on the feelings. Yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. That make, Let's come back to that and let Mariah weigh in about what number do you think you are? What dominant ego type do you think you are? And a little bit about your Enneagram journey. So just like Maddie, I actually learned about the Enneagram through Dr. Bennett. I don't think she gave me a pamphlet, but she had a night at her house. Maddie was there also. Oh, yeah. Where we just kind of sat around and we went through the diagram and just kind of talked about all the numbers. And through my journey, I've been told and also I kind of identify with the seven. However, as I feel like I'm maturing and just growing, there's parts of the seven that I feel like I'm leaving behind. So I feel like I'm a little bit on this journey of is this really my number and can you change as you kind of develop as an individual? Yeah, that's a really good question. A lot of people ask that question. Yeah. Um, certainly we can change as an individual. We are always changing. That's something that is a given. Um, we will always be changing. The, the, the question is, are we changing generally for the good and developing more healthy habits um, and our personality more even and and healthy mm. or are we changing more toward that shadow side that vice side so it's um, totally expected that you would say gosh I'm growing I'm maturing I'm feeling like I'm leaving some of those down seven like the shadow seven sides uh, alone or not getting stuck in them as much but you know from what I understand from what I know we all know about the Enneagram is you don't change you don't mm. really change your dominant type. You start to walk in healthier levels of it. Okay, but so now the superpower of the seven is joy. Mm. The superpower of the seven is joy. The seven is an enthusiast, also known as the epicure. That one who just loves life, has a zeal for life, brings joy and owns the room and comes in and just makes everyone happy, right? Mm. Um, and I... I I see you in your behavior that way. Do you feel that way on the inside? Yeah, I totally do. I think I have a natural just amount of energy that I, <laughs> and a natural, um, I'm very extroverted. I like to walk in the room and to be honest, I like to be the center of attention when I walk <laughs> into the room. Um, yeah, so I think those things I definitely identify with. 
So yeah, what about seven. the the shadow side um, or the vice side of seven? That kind of um, not like the three driven, but like always adventurous and running from one thing to the next, mm. thinking about the future, even the next hour or the next day. And in a sense, not then being fully present mm. in the moment. Do you ever experience anything like that? Yeah, totally. I think this whole year has after graduation has been me just kind of wrestling with um, being comfortable and also being content because there's a difference. I feel like sometimes when you, um, are growing, you get to a place of being comfortable. Um, but I think that there's a difference of being content and just being able to be where you're at in your life and have peace there. And I feel like I finally am kind of getting to that point. And while I'm still also growing and learning and, mm-hmm. you know, maturing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a wrestle for sure. Yeah, there's, um, it's interesting. The seven, uh, when I first did it a few years ago, the mm-hmm. tests. Didn't you, didn't they say that yes. you thought you were a seven for yes. a while? A seven yeah. or a five or a four and four came in last. And I went along thinking, yeah, just how you described yourself. I love walking into a room and owning it and mm-hmm. making people laugh and <laughs> having a lot of fun. But then I read something from someone I really respect about the seven. And it said, yeah, the seven type is that Peter Pan, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of flighty. And like, I have never been flighty and I could never see myself as Peter Pan, even at the core of my motivations. Mm. That got me thinking, hmm, am I a seven? And I started investigating and reflecting and really moving through my younger memories to think about motivation. Did you do that, Izzy? Like when you were, or did you knew immediately you were four? Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, we've discussed this on different episodes. I discovered the four through the unhealthy aspects of a four, right? It was, it was during a time when I was separated from my wife. And surely, I, I mean, I could, I could read what the unhealthiness of a four and, and how they react and how they withdraw and, and I immediately said, yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm. You know, uh, it doesn't take me to listen to Bob Dylan to know that <laughs> I'm definitely uh, a four. And I think for me, when I've, when I've talked to other folks, what I do is I look at their lives, just like what I was talking with Maddie Faith about this. I look at the levels of when they go to stress and when they go um, to um, growth and, you know, for a seven, for example, when she goes to growth, she's going to go to a five for growth, right? Mm-hmm. And so you were talking about this because a five at level one, you know, based on the Enneagram Institute um, sort of model, the fives in health, they are visionaries. They broadly comprehend the world with penetrating profoundly um, deep thinking, which is what you were saying. And so for me, I enjoy talking to people when they are, uh, you know, in, at their best. Mm. Uh, but for me, I discovered it when I was at my worst. Yeah. And that's kind of the gift of the Enneagram, isn't it? That like, no matter whatever our entry point, um, we can grow and learn from it and use it as a tool, as a wisdom tool. And you helped me to do that. So I could see when, when these young ladies talk about how you help them in their journey. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're so good at, 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 at helping, um, students grow because you've been doing it for such a long time. I mean, you know, absolutely. You want I just it, love just it. Love it. I love it. I love it. It's just washing over me like caramel. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. It's like, you know, when, when that four, that four side of me, that kind of sensitive, creative side, I get so, oh, I 
don't want to use the word blessed. So, uh, so much joy in knowing that something that's helping me is helping somebody else I love or somebody else I know, mm. or even people I don't know, which hence the podcast of the any of us, you know? So thanks guys. I appreciate it. I'm, we're all on a learning journey, mm-hmm. right? And we're all growing in it. Um, I continue to, to, to learn about the Enneagram and about my own journey. Let me turn to um, Maddie now. Uh, you're set of six and um, mm-hmm. the basic fear of the six is to be without support and guidance, mm-hmm. to feel unsafe and insecure. Did you notice that yourself? Was that one of the key um, areas that you felt like snagged it for you that, yeah, you're ego type six? Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely was not at first that I recognized it. Um, it wasn't until after you had said, hey, you should you should consider this. You should see this. Um, and I started looking into my own life and realizing some of the reasons why I do things is to protect myself from that. And I really looked back deep into my childhood and my experience there. And uh, my mom went through nine life-threatening illnesses and mm. four near-death experiences. She had temporary amnesia, which we didn't know was temporary at the time. She Mm. thought it was 1995. She thought she was put in a mental health asylum and that Mm. her husband thought she was crazy. It was my father. And um, so for me, that was very unstable growing up and watching my mom go through that. And Mm. she's come out stronger and my parents' marriage is amazing and I love my family. And it was a experience that I wouldn't change. But for me, it made me feel that the world was an unsafe place and that it's constantly changing. At any moment, something mm. can fall. The bottom of your life can just fall out at any moment. And so for me, my basic fear very much is the sense of I'm going to lose my security. And so sometimes that will lead to unhealthy methods of trying to secure what I can in my life and control what I can. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you, do you want to share any of those? I mean, <clears throat> it, any of those unhealthy methods? I mean... I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you want to share a little bit more detail. Absolutely. So for me, that would be over planning and overthinking, over analyzing. So for me, um, and I think this is one of the moments where I realized how deeply I am a six. I was talking with my boyfriend in the car on the way back from church and I was discussing, you know, our friend groups, everybody's getting together. Everyone's like, you know, whispering about engagement, like it's that time. Ring by (laughs) spring, it's coming. We all know it's coming. Ring by spring. I told him, I was like, I'm terrified of that. That sounds so scary to me. I mean, it's going to be great to watch their wedding and all, but I'm going to be really sad. It's going to be so scary. And he was like, what are you talking about? That's so exciting. That's a new stage of life. And I was like, no, because that's the biggest decision you're ever going to make. That's terrifying. You don't want to undo that. You don't want to make the wrong decision. Mm. And he was like, no, this is so exciting. And so I think that's when I realized like even big milestones, I fear those because those are, those are concrete and I don't want to make the wrong decision where I'm stuck with having to clean up my own mess. Because because you were the recipient Mm -hmm. of other people's big decisions Mm -hmm. in their lives as you Mm -hmm. just explained it. Right. So you've been on the other side of that equation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. And the six um, is always looking for contingency plans and evaluating, assessing risk. Mm -hmm. And so when you're thinking ahead into the future for yourself or for others, um, it always occurs to someone with the dominant 
um, ego type six, well, what can happen? What are, what, you know, what are all the various things that can happen that can change this wonderful equilibrium we have here or this Mm -hmm. wonderful friend circle that we have? Um, and, and how can we manage it? Right. So then Mm -hmm. if, for you, for the six type to go to health and to integrate to, um, nine, Mm -hmm. have you ever looked at that or what does that look like when you do that? So, for me, that's kind of when I when I put down my avid planning, not in the sense that I forgo all plans that I have or all freaking out about the future or constantly analyzing it. For me, I need to do my seven and I need to sit and write down all the ideas that I have because I have a lot of ideas, a lot of ways that I'll try and protect myself. I write it down. I talk to a friend. I actually have a friend who's a nine and I love talking to her about this and she'll just put my mind at ease and I'll just sit there and be in her presence and also journaling and and prayer makes Mm. a massive difference in my life when I say, okay, I want to control this. I want to try and self-preserve, but I know that that's not entirely my place. And so when I give it over, when I find a way to release it, that's when I really find myself being more of a nine. And, you know, um, Jonathan Hyatt, uh, NYU professor, and uh, he wrote a book called The Righteous Mind, which we studied in our class. He's done a lot of work on Gen Zers and how they work through the big three that is impacting your generation, right? Depression, anxiety, and stress. Um, so already Gen Z is, is, is dealing with, with those issues. I can imagine for a six, you've been talking about anxiousness mm-hmm, very um, much so. have you have you how about depression have mm-hmm. you have you found that that has impacted you in your life and and how have you been able to deal with that in a healthy way absolutely I think about age of 13 I went through a phase where I, I was very discontent and where I was in a season of depression but for me that was alleviated in finding some way that I could help someone else or do something for someone else when I moved my thoughts from woe is me or you know I'm, I'm not happy right now I turned it to okay I'm gonna go garden outside I'm going to go on a mission trip I'm going to go serve in Belglade I'm going to make my mom lunch something like that and for me to move my thoughts from me I can't do anything I feel unhappy at least if I'm unhappy or I feel unsafe or I feel unsure I can make someone else feel that way. And in doing so, that kind of helped me Mm. to change my mindset. Mm. And uh, Stephanie, this from the Enneagram Institute for sixes, it says right here, sixes attempt to build a network of trust over a background of unsteadiness and fear. Mm -hmm. Mm, So it sounds to me that even early on at 13 and 14, Maddie Faith already sort of knew this is where I go for growth without knowing it. Right. Well, and that's what I love. I love this about the Enneagram because I was just thinking about it on the way over here and we're going to get to you next, Mariah, about sevens. But, um, you know, at 30, when I started doing this inward work, not knowing anything about the Enneagram, numbers, whatnot, and and I started seeing the shadow side in myself Mm -hmm. instead of just like the creative doer, sensitive connecting kind of uh, relational personality that I always had, I started to really see that shadow side of, of now that I can identify as the four. And I think that truth is truth. Like when we 
this is this is why the Enneagram rings so true for me. Not only is there ancient history involved with the Enneagram, but there are certain things that are common to all of us, men or women, no matter if it's 1600 or 2015 or 436 BC. People are people and we we have concerns, we have wounds, we have things to deal with inwardly, and we all find strategies and ways to to deal with them. Some are healthy, some are unhealthy, and there's the strength of the Enneagram, revealing more of ourselves to us, becoming more self-aware so that we can say, yes, I, I don't want to say stay stuck in the mud of this low side of my personality. I want to walk in greater health and not be bound not be bound um, and tied to these lower parts. So with the seven, Mariah, um, the seven in brief is known as the busy, variety-seeking type, right? The spontaneous and versatile, um, acquisitive, and uh, sometimes scattered. But sevens generally are extroverted, generally. Mm-hmm. Just like a, a four is generally introverted, but I'm not introverted. Mm-hmm. Sevens are generally extroverted, but there can be an introvert. They are known as playful and high-spirited, and I I think obviously you are, but the basic fear is being deprived and in pain, and the basic desire is to be satisfied and content to have their needs fulfilled. Do you find or have you found that any of those things about the seven truly describe you, like in your your everyday life? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean... The Enneagram Institute also tells us that at their best, sevens focus their talents on worthwhile goals and become appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. But at their worst, they can become so scattered, never get anything done because they're hopping like a leapfrog to one thing to the next. Why don't you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, I think being a seven, definitely that's one of the things that I have to deal with is I start a ton of projects and then I have a hard time maybe finishing some of them. Um, I feel very passionately about things at first, and then that passion seems to dwindle down over time. And um, yeah, I think those are some of the things that are hard about being a seven, for sure. You can get distracted easily. Yeah, I can get distracted really easily. So so what are some of the things that you, some of the strategies that you employ to keep yourself from being distracted and keep yourself on track so that you can accomplish those goals? Because you're, you're quite accomplished already. You're a recent <laughs> grad and you're already involved in a, a, a very important job. Mm-hmm. And um, tell us how you're accomplishing these things. I think the first thing to do is just to be aware of the fact that you're kind of overscheduling or you're over, you know, putting things onto your plate. Um, I think one of the things with the seven is gluttony. You kind of have a tendency to overdo things, whether it's even rest to some extent. When I'm aware that I need more rest, I have a tendency to just kind of be in sloth because you know, I'm a seven and I binge things, I feel like. So just being aware of those different things about your personality that you might need to do a little like self-work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. interesting because with generation z as compared to for example millennials generation z is less focused 
right? They are uh, sort of looking in a world of sort of continuous motion. Mm-hmm. So if you think of like a Twitter feed, mm-hmm. you know, for Gen Z, their lives is like a feed. Uh, but the plus side for Gen Zers is that they are better multitaskers, right. which is interesting because when we when you came into the studio today, mm-hmm. you were talking about how you have two jobs, yep. right? So mm-hmm. your generation sort of they, they call it the gig generation as well because mm-hmm. you, this is how you're you're getting by by having multiple jobs, and yet you said it in a positive way when you were talking about it. Mm-hmm. And so now you're doing the same thing. Yeah. And so that, that, that shows me that the data is right when it comes to millennials, that you are, you are okay with having sort of these multiple things in your life. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, I'll sit back and be like, Oh, I'm so busy. I have so much on my plate. But when there's a moment of a break where I don't have something on my plate, I, I notice myself starting to get anxious because I feel like I'm so used to moving at a certain pace for Mm. so long that when that pace is broken, I definitely feel like there's some anxiety there. And I genuinely do like doing two jobs at the same time. It's really funny. I'm, um, I'm working with Kent and Megan who are on the show before me. Um, I think you guys had them on the show. And then I also am a nanny and and I work remotely on my computer. So when the kids are sleeping at night, I'll be, you know, on my computer working. It's like I work 60 hours a week and I honestly don't hate it. But I know that there's some things that, you know, you need to have a little bit more balance on. I think that's something I'm trying to work out right now. Mm. Yeah. So this is from a HuffPost article talking about uh, Gen Zers. See if you can resonate with this. All right. Though Gen Z can be less focused than the millennial counterparts in schools, They will create a document on their school computer, do research on their phone or tablet while Mm. taking notes on a notepad, (laughs) then finish in front of the TV with a laptop while FaceTiming a friend. That is so true. It's so bad. It's so bad. Even like I just noticed my mind is always going. It's like even when I'm on a stoplight in the car, it's like I have to I'll even just like catch myself like phantom opening up my Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter or something just because it's like your mind is so used to going Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, that makes sense for um, a a seven is in the head triad. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, the antidote for the head triad, the five, sixes and sevens to really overcome that, that um, what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. that kind of busy, sometimes they call it monkey brain. (sighs) Um, The antidote is, is um, stillness, Mm. stillness. No, excuse me. Solitude, solitude, being by oneself and just being by oneself for the gut triad or the body triad, it's stillness. They're, they're go, 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 go in their body and very, very busy in their body in that triad. And so the antidote there is practice, learn, get a practice of stillness. But for the seven in the triad of the head, it's, it's solitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could totally see that being beneficial for us. Cause I feel like even sometimes, you know, we walk into a room and we want to be the center of attention, but, and we put this pressure on ourselves to be that sometimes. And it's like not authentic. So I feel like there's moments where, you know, I can go away and really be in solitude. And when I come back, I have like this refreshed energy to actually offer people that's genuine, Mm, you know? So, you know, speaking of Gen Z, let's, let's camp there for a couple of minutes and talk about Gen Z because this is our Gen Z show. We've got these fantastic Gen Z women. So, you, you know, you are functioning um, in this world, interacting with your peers in Gen Z, with millennials. You're working for millennials, um, Gen Xers, baby boomers. Mm-hmm. Do you see a, a specific difference in the way that you function? Um, as Israel was talking about with the multitasking, um, can we apply that or make room for um, the Enneagram in that? Like, um, 
why is the trend so big with with um, Gen Zers with Enneagram? Like, do you think that there's a reason why um, you guys seem to take to it so well? Mm-hmm. Not that Boomers aren't or Gen Xers aren't, because it's it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. But I think the most with Gen Z, every everyone's into it. I think Gen Z specifically, they really and we really want to have a sense of purpose, a sense of identity. So anything that really gives us an identity, we're very excited about. We're also that the I generations were very self-focused. And so I think for us to have an opportunity to study ourselves is something we really latch on to. You have people who love the Zodiac sign, you know, Mm -hmm. they'll ask like the first thing is like, oh, what's your sign? You know, and so I think with the Enneagram specifically that there's there's a lot of room for growth and for people to use it. However, I don't think everyone uses it as a tool and it's more of an identification or something you can associate with. So I don't know if it's being fully used to its full potential mm-hmm. that it does have, mm-hmm. but it is out there. And there are, I know on Instagram, there are tons of Enneagram accounts. There's even like Enneagram meme accounts. Like if you're, if you're a seven, there'll be like a little joke about being a seven, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And absolutely. I mean, I, I think one of the fastest growing podcast areas in the Enneagram um, happens to be among Gen Zers um, who, who are talking about it, meaning how are they using the Enneagram so for their professional growth? Right, because as you mentioned, Maddie Faith, uh, Gen Zers want to identify themselves through causes, mm-hmm. uh, and you're a good example of that because you work for an organization mm-hmm. that has sort of as its identity doing good mm-hmm. for social causes. Yeah, for sure. Yep, I think that's definitely a part of why we're so keen to this um, Enneagram thing that's going on right now. But I also think it's like we're talking so much and we're not necessarily hearing what people are saying and I feel like there's just this like wanting to be known by other people Mm -hmm. and I think that the Enneagram allows us to be known even by ourselves a little bit and then also by other people Um, Mm. yeah speaking of other people um, both of you are in relationships Uh, (laughs) um, why don't we spend a little time and change direction talk about how the Enneagram affects your relationship if it has affected your relationship at all do your bows know their um, mm-hmm. Enneagram types yeah. and does it help? Who wants to start? Just I'll start. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I am dating a four. And <laughs> I'm so him. sorry. Yeah. I am so Me sorry. Too. <laughs> I, <laughs> my, my heart just went for you. I'm like, oh. Hey, oh. I love your four. He's cool. He is cool. He's the best. But let me just tell you, the one issue that we always have is movies. Because as he a cries. seven, he cries. Not only does he cry, but also <laughs> I cry. I'm okay. I'm okay. My man. I, I, I do. I cry at, at movies. Sevens want to like, you know, he's like, "What do you want to watch?" And I'm like, "Oh, I want to watch a rom com, or I want to watch like a cartoon, or something." I that's, like your 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 guy. I want to watch something light, and it's like every time we pick out a movie, it always has to be like it's not necessarily sad. It's just we have to think a lot, and we have to you know be oh, yeah. really deep. Absolutely. And it's just I don't want to do be a it meaning. all the time. There there's has gotta, to be a meaning. There's a meaning to life. It's like uh, the movie Field of Dreams, right? Yeah. It's uh, with Kevin Costner, uh, mm-hmm. and it's a movie about baseball, but mm-hmm. really and truly, it's mm-hmm. a story about a relationship between a father and a son, right? 
side. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, <laughs> I've been watching this movie for like plus 20 years. Mm-hmm. And right at the end of the movie, when the dad comes from the cornfield and the dad says, is this heaven? And he says, no, it's Iowa. Oh, <laughs> the tears start flowing. I love that movie. But the, I'm the same way about The Wizard of Oz. It's a movie about, you know, animals trying to find, you know, the things that they're missing. Mm-hmm. Is that a four movie that's, or what? That's totally It's like, four. you know, she stands there at the end and all her people are crying over her leaving, but she's just, it's always been within her. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. click your heels three times. Four of four rom-coms are always about deep meanings. I'm just telling you. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so you find that the big thing with movies and the Enneagram yeah. with him. How about your communication? Uh, communication is super great because I feel like both of us are feelers. Um, I don't know if that's a seven qual- like quality to have, to be a think- like a well, feeler and a thinker all, and a I processor. Think every number feels because yeah. we're all human. Every number thinks and every number does. Yeah. Okay, it's just what is dominant, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you become, no matter what number you are, if you become open with one another, that communication can flourish. Um, and it's just that some numbers are, are more interested in going there more quickly. The four is interested in going there more quickly. The two is interested in going there more quickly than mm-hmm. the seven. Even the six, a very, very relational mm-hmm. uh, number, One, especially with a five wing, wing that thinker, observer, mm-hmm. uh, like Maddie, is more interested in going there. But if you have good communication, whatever your type is, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you may feel a resistance towards it, but you will go there if you want to let the relationship flourish. And yeah. I think communication is really great. Just like with the movies, even though that was a silly a silly little side comment, you know, sometimes he wants to go places that are just super heavy and they're great and I think there's a place for them. But I think sometimes for me as a seven, it's hard for me to like process all of the hard and heavy things all the time. There needs to be a space for light. So how do you then, in, in this in this relationship, mm-hmm. how do you work at it so that if he wants to be a deep thinker and you're just not there, but you certainly don't want to make him feel mm-hmm. like, again, you're not special because that's important for a four. How have you guys sort of built this relationship to um, not overcome? I don't want to use the word overcome, but to navigate be, the differences, navigate mm-hmm. between the four and the seven. Have you how long have you been dating? We've been dating for over a year now, okay. almost a year and a half. Yeah, I think we just kind of talk about it. Like, you know, I'm not really in a place right now where I'm wanting to have this conversation, but I think it's important. And maybe if you give me a little bit of time, I can come back to you and actually, you know, I think it's all about creating space. Even if you have to like get out of your house and you have to like go, we do that sometimes. Like we'll just go to like Whole Foods. I've run into Dr. Bennett there and we'll just sit and have coffee and talk about something that's important. That's such a Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> Whole Foods. You I know what I mean? Bring the computer, bring the laptop. We went to Starbucks. <laughs> they're going to Whole Foods. That's right. How about you, Maddie? Um, how about your relationship in the Enneagram? Has it affected you at all? I think very much so, especially realizing with me very, very recently that I am a six is realizing how important it is for me to feel safe and secure. So even though Devin is an eight and is very much an, okay, we're going to go here, we're going to do this, my concept of thinking about the future, what happens after graduation, that's a current thought Mm -hmm. and that's constantly on my mind, whereas Mm -hmm. he's more laid back in that area. And so for him, if I keep prodding him and pressing him, what about dreams and plans and ideas and all these things? And then the idealistic seven gets a hold of me and then the five comes in and I'm just constantly thinking about everything. And so I just become 
become this little spinning ball of thoughts. And mm-hmm. Devin is very much a gut reaction eight and he's like when we get when we get there we're gonna cross the bridge we're gonna take care of it we're gonna take charge and here we go and I'm like no I just want to sit and talk about it forever let's go get coffee let's let's go do this and so learning how he processes and how he wrestles with problems and how he approaches it differently than I am is really important I think also how we express love that was a very recent one for both of us because I am very much let's plan Let's have a game plan. Let's have an idea. Let's talk about our, our future. Let's let's do this. Mm-hmm. And for Devin, he's very practical. How can I take care of you? And that's mm-hmm. something that that wing nine really comes in strong, that teddy bear complex. Let me drive you to work. Let me bring you mm-hmm. food when you're studying. How can I take care of you? Mm-hmm. And for me, the taking care part is like the fundamental. That's, that's the base level. For me, it's how do you make me feel safe and secure and how do you whisk me off how do you whisk me off my feet that really relational emotional mental side of me but i'll bet you that's what exactly you need Mm -hmm. right you need sort of that very strong rock yeah um how much truth is there that sometimes uh women date their fathers do you do you see a relationship between an eight yeah your boyfriend and your father so they're actually they're friends we go every every Mm -hmm. sunday night is family board game night so i'll come with my boy and we'll we'll go to my parents house and my sister's boyfriend is there and we'll have dinner together and Devin and my dad will be in the shed cleaning car parts they'll be working on something together in the man cave and (laughs) it's it's very sweet and i see Mm. a lot of parallels they're obviously not the same person but there are a lot of parallels it's it's hilarious though they wear the same baggy jeans they wear the same flip flops (laughs) you know they have the same stance and how they stand so it's it's really funny they're not they're not identical but there are a lot of scary similarities one time he parted his hair differently and my mom saw a picture she goes that looks like your grandpa and i was like no don't tell me just really described so well for us what it feels like to be in this in the head triad Mm -hmm. because as a six you're in a unique or an interesting uh position of having the wing and both wings five and seven everything in the head Mm -hmm. oh yeah everything in the head so it's like all like um thinking dominant Mm -hmm. thinking dominant doing suppressed um sometimes repressed and so um when a six can get really stuck in that five, six, seven, analytical, mm-hmm. figuring it out, planning, really needs someone who is a, a different, a different type. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of wings, um, the six with the five wing is known as the defender, and the six with the seven wing is known as the buddy. Mm-hmm. Do you have one that is stronger than other? I think I I really have, they're both pretty even, 
but I would say I, I fundamentally will lean more towards the buddy just because I love life. I'm very enthusiastic. I, despite like wanting to be very safe and very secure, I love going out and just trying something new. And so that really is what gets me going. And for me, the two biggest things that I'll start to say is, you know, I've been really thinking about something and I've been wrestling with it in my mind or I have an idea. Those are like mm-hmm. my two biggest conversation starters right there. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. What do you what do you see yourself doing in life? Doing in life. Yeah, wow. like what what's your cause? Because <laughs> for a six, right, they become dedicated to something greater mm-hmm. than themselves. Very much uh, so. They want to be able to elicit strong emotions from others. Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine if you take a Gen Zer who already sort of is thinking outwardly. Uh, thinking socially and as a mm-hmm. six sort of that fits you this is like this is your generation common good yeah mm-hmm. exactly what how do you fit into that world so for me I'm still trying to figure out you know which organization which part because there are so many places where you can do good and make a difference and lots of times people like to try and pair their vocation and doing good I know right now what's really gotten me excited is the potential of going to get a master's degree in PR I really love the problem solving aspect of PR and I would love to find either like a non-for-profit or some cause where I, I could utilize those skills or maybe I do something on the side I've thought about starting a non-profit organization I love um you know really helping people in need or finding ways to help the environment. So I would Mm. love to really be able to combine those things. But I think I'm in the part of life right now where I'm just learning the skill set. And once I have Mm. my skill set narrowed, then I can start to explore, okay, how can I apply this? And how can I find a greater cause with the skill set that I love? Mm. Mm -hmm. What about you? What uh, Mm -hmm. is there? Because you're working again, you mentioned, uh, uh, previous guests of ours, Kent and Megan Barami, they yeah. uh, they they run sort of a PR uh, marketing mm-hmm. uh, organization that is very socially conscious. Uh, I, I just from hearing you talk, I know you love your work, but where do you, where do you see yourself ten years from now? Hmm. <laughs> Man, it's so hard, and I feel like there's such an emphasis on that conversation when you graduate. And I think for a while, I put a lot of pressure on myself to like have something figured out and I feel like there's these strings of my heart where I'm like I love women's ministry and I and I just like love people and I love creating space for conversation but I think right now I'm just really content like doing things like this where I'm being able to sit here and have a conversation I think that being a seven is always so forward focused but I think I'm really trying to be really present with where I'm at in life right now and I I am really content with where I'm at I mean, eventually, just like Maddie and because I'm a Gen Z, I would love to do something that is for a cause about something that I care about um, that has like a purpose for something greater than myself. But I think right now my calling is just to like live in the moment and enjoy what the Lord has created and also to tell to like tell other people about it. And that's that's Mm. pretty much my calling right now. And I'm I'm really happy with it. That is one of the healthiest places for a seven to to be. You know, to be really in the present. I was going to talk to you about wings as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the seven with a six wing is known as the entertainer. The seven mm-hmm. with the eight wing is known as the realist. Do you sense any of those wings popping out? I don't know about wings. I'm so confused about it because I really don't know where I fall with the wing, with the whole wing situation because maybe I would be a six, but I feel like a lot of the people that are sixes in my life I have conflict with. Um, I don't know if that matters or if that 
would make me a wing six maybe it's part of me that I com- conflict with I'm not sure well I Susan Stabile whom we really respect says you know she doesn't even teach about wings for a long time okay. in the beginning because it can confuse people and you know because um, you are that dominant type ego type if you're seven, that's it. The, maybe the wing hasn't popped out yet. Yeah, I don't think it has. I don't think the wing has popped out yet. For some <laughs> who have a strong, you know, for, who have a strong wing on on one end, it takes, you know, then they're in their 30s, and all of a sudden the other wing comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 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 kind of so ancient now. I've got a strong three wing and a, th- a strong five wing. So you have both. I have both, but I mean I'm ancient. <laughs> and see, and I I you know because I subscribe to the Instagram Institute. They mm-hmm. have uh, these any thoughts that you can get every morning and they give you a choice of two. Um, and I, at, for a long time, I thought I was a four, three, I'm a four, three, I'm a four, three. And I, and I got these, I subscribed to the four, three Enneagram Institute. And my wife and I, when we are having coffee in the mornings, we read each mm-hmm. other's Ennea thoughts. Aww. She's a one That's with a cute. nine. Uh, and I was getting four and threes and the threes just wouldn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, Nope, can't relate to what uh, they're sending. And then I subscribe to the four five, and all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, oh, absolutely, right. I'm a four five, I'm right. a four five, or I identify. I should say I'm not my number. Right. Uh, I identify with a four five, right. and so you know it's it's interesting that you um, you subscribe to the idea that with with wings, and that's a Susan Stabile right. um, uh, theory that uh, just like a bird finding balance, mm-hmm. you you have both mm-hmm. wings. Whereas I have just not been able to see that. I haven't seen mm-hmm. three in my life. Well, and you know, and that that speaks to uh, the fact that you know three doesn't mean uh, like you have to be. And uh, how how do I want to say this? You may not have a three wing or see it, and it may really appear that you do because you're so, you've achieved so much in your life, you've performed so much, you've been so much on television and, and an anchor and uh, investigative reporter, and and you've done so much. I mean, not even scratching the surface there. So you have achieved a great deal in your life. So it's easy for someone to look at that and say, oh, he's a three or he's got a strong three wing, but you know the motivations of your heart. Yeah, and that's interesting because uh, I can relate so much to her boyfriend because <laughs> I didn't seek out to do all the things that you said, right? Because all that and, uh, and three bucks will get you a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't about achieving. It was about meaning. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's that's where I go, you're right, but I didn't set out to achieve. Right. I didn't say like, oh, I want to be a lawyer and then I want to be in D.C. and I want to go mm-hmm. on Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. It, it was totally cause-driven. Mm-hmm. Right. right. There's right. got to be a cause greater than just policy and politics. And that's why I hate politics, because it's a zero sum game. And so when you were talking about your, your boyfriend and how everything for him is a deep meaning, you know, it's almost like an existential crisis every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's what drove me to do all these things. Exactly. Does that make sense? Well, it makes perfect sense to me because I'm a four as well. Okay. And exactly like PhD and all the other things that kind of go along next to my name, I didn't do them to achieve that sounds stupid. Even to my ears, that sounds really far. And someone's listening who, who thinks, that's like, how can that be true? Because you, you don't just do that. It's not just stirring the pot on something and then you get a PhD. You know, you've put like seven, eight years into that. And you've st- written three books, a, tr- a, a trilogy. Yeah, a trilogy and, and communicating love. But um, <laughs> that's what I have on my shelf. Oh, thank Same you. Here. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is exactly what you've said. It's all been about meaning. Up until the day I started teaching full time as a professor, I still would say to people, say people would say to me, "Well, what did you get your PhD? What what are you doing there? Why are you defending this uh, dissertation? What is it about? Where are you going? Are you going to go teach?" And I'd shrug my shoulders. 
and say, no, but it's been a really meaningful six mm-hmm. years. I've That's learned so, so cool. much. Wow. I've that. learned so much. I've gone so deep in this subject and it's really an important subject. So there you see the five. But if I didn't have something to draw from in my personality, that's at least three-ish. That's what I think a wing is, at least three-ish. I wouldn't be able to press forward in actually achieving that goal. I would have stayed like a lot of my other four friends who are very creative who kind of stayed in that for 10 years and then never never finished because they always went on rabbit trails of creativity, like deep, deep creativity. You see what I'm saying? So that's where I see the three wins. Sure. But absolutely, it's about meaning. The core is about meaning. I just have one more question. This is a deep question. Oh, wait, oh here gosh. we go. Hold on to your hats. <laughs> Who's going to get married first? <laughs> Probably Rock, paper, Mar- scissors. Mar- <laughs> I, I would think Mariah, just on the sheer fact they've they've been dating mm-hmm. longer than How long have you been dating? I've been dating Devin for 11 months. However, our boyfriends are actually best friends. And part of yes. the reason why Devin experienced so much growth was because of Mike. Mm-hmm. So, really? yeah, it's very incredible. What, oh, yeah. yeah. What, what do you I mean by that? I did not that? know that. Yeah. 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 It's like you guys oh, buried that, the headline. <laughs> how, how is that? How did that? How did you guys see that developing? So that was, that was even before Devin and I got together was Mike. Yeah, very much so. Mike was a strong spiritual leader. And, and for Devin, that was the first time he really kind of saw what it meant to be a strong Christian man in the faith. And that's really kind of what made him excited about Christianity. And he was able to blossom in having a really great community and it was really amazing to see him grow in that area with Mike and and because of Mike and so now they're really good buddies and they like going to Buffalo Wild Wings and working out together and it's really <laughs> sweet. To this day Devin says um, Mike is the best lifting buddy he's ever had. Oh, wow. That's so what, what do you think about that when you hear that about your future husband? Yeah. I feel good about it. <laughs> I mean I like the way that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Michael is a, a spiritual man who yeah. uses the Enneagram uh has he put those two things together? Has it helped him that way? I don't think so. I think they operate very separately for him. Like he is a meaning maker and he's super deep and he's a creative and like even this morning I woke up and it's Valentine's Day and there was poems at my door. He wrote me poems. He loves writing poems. He's just a super creative. And then, and then he's also has this like well of spirituality. And I don't think that they've actually come together yet for him. I don't think maybe he needs to learn a little bit more about the Enneagram as a tool for his spirituality. Uh, Yeah. 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 And, and for you, um, how long has, has your boyfriend been exploring the Enneagram? Uh, Pretty fairly recently, the first time he was introduced to it was when we went to Dr. Bennett's house. Okay. And so from there, he started to explore that. He has it now in his class with marriage and family dynamics. So that's okay. been really cool for him to see that and, and to know what my number is. And for him, like even last night, because we celebrated Valentine's Day early, you know, start to talk about for me, my fears. And then for him, you know, with his teddy bear complex you know, combining some affirmations that would make sense along with scripture and spiritual guidance. So that was really mm-hmm. good for me to have last night. Uh, you and Earl, did you already celebrate Valentine's Day? Today, the day of the recording of this podcast is Valentine's Day, Friday the 14th. So Yes, my wonderful husband um, mm-hmm. came at five o'clock. I got up at about 10 of five. We get up very early uh, and uh, he came over to me with a kiss and a card and a little blue box with a ribbon from Hoffman's chocolates. (gasps) 
Mm. <laughs> you love chocolate. Oh, I yeah. do, especially if it's good dark chocolate. It's mm. got to be special, unique kind of place. Not even Godiva. It's got to be yeah. really good. Here in South Florida, Hoffman's, Hoffman's is that place. Hoffman's. Oh, yeah. and, and the sweetest thing about it was, not the chocolate, the sweetest thing about it was when we were newly married and, and had two pennies and, and we couldn't even rub them together to get gas in the car. Oh, look, I you just hear some violins going. <laughs> when we were that young and it was Valentine's Day, um, he came and he, he bought me three or four dark chocolate pretzels in a little box for Valentine's Day. Oh. And it was such a sweet gift. And, and like he said to me today, I, I can get you jewelry now. He got me a beautiful mm. piece of jewelry for Christmas and, and, and has in the past. Mm. He's like, I can get you jewelry now. But I just thought, I thought about how many years ago and how much you love chocolate. And, you know, it just melted oh. my heart. Oh my love gosh. that man. I, to I, the I, feel, six. Oh. I feel like a total fake four. What? I do, I do, because all of you are talking about deep thinking presence. You want to hear what I got, Jill, for, yes, for we Valentine's do. We Day? do, give it up. All right, so I got her something that she would never get for herself, but she wears all the time. Lululemon pants. Aw, that's yes. nice. That's, that's thinking think that's of her. Thoughtful. Yes, well, mm-hmm. but I was, there's not that much thought. My my daughter's the one that picked the color. Uh, <laughs> you all are talking about your men who, like, they, they, they went out and they searched the world for the perfect president and they gave it to you. You know what? Tonight we're going to have Valentine's Day pizza at home with the with my daughter and movie night. That sounds perfect. That's, 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 that's it. You know, what I mean? you know what C.S. Lewis says about Eros, about yes. romantic love? Today is right the day of romantic love. C.S. Lewis says, um, when you love a woman like this, the thing that you really want is you just want to be able to go on thinking about her. Mm-hmm. I thought, that's what we women like. We like to mm-hmm. know that you're thinking about me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. Lululemon pants, chocolates, whatever it is. Are you thinking about me? I got a, I got a whole pineapple and a bag of coffee. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, he was thinking about you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what it was like to be this young? These these fantastic dynamite young women make me remember mm. even more. And I love them for that and I love them for who they are. Aww, well, <laughs> we love you too. When I have students like Maddie Faith, and I never had you in my class. I wish I would have had you. But I tell you something, it makes teaching worth it. It's the best. I'm serious. <laughs> it's the best. Thank you so much Thank you. for coming on the Any of Us. Really appreciate it. And by the way, now you have to invite us to your weddings. Okay. <laughs> right. deal. Deal. Which Maddie thinks is going to be you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm First. Betting. We shall see. All right. Thanks, what a fantastic uh, uh, podcast. Yes. I love this uh, doing these things with you. Oh, thank you, Izzy. Uh, Gen Z in the house. Uh, good luck. And of course, uh, please uh, listen to us on Spotify, on iTunes, on Podbeam. Leave us some thoughts. Yeah, and you know, it would be so helpful if you could just review it. We want more people to hear it. Mm-hmm. It's not like, like we need to be famous or want to be famous. We don't have that, but we want people to hear it. You know, and so leave a review. Tell your friends. Love it. All right, for next time. And with Stephanie Bennett, I'm Israel Balderas. Thank you so much for listening to the Enia Buzz. Have a great weekend. And find something you are passionate about. We'll see you next time. Woohoo!